Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Undivided, episode number 43, The Triangle of Divides. And this show is, all our programs are brought to you by Audible.com. That's Audible.com, the world's leader in spoken audio, audiobooks, online periodicals, and speeches. For all things spoken audio, it's Audible.com. Head on over to Audible.com right now or after our show this evening and enter Life Coach Radio Network in the drop-down box to the right side of the screen to enter a contest for a 30-day free trial of Audible.com. That's Audible.com, the sponsor of our program and all of our programs here on the Life Coach Radio Network. And welcome into Undivided. This is episode number 43. We are live here at 701 in the East. And I am having some uh, difficulties getting our guests connected into the show. So uh, bear with us as we're trying to go through that as uh, we're trying to work out some kinks on this side. The disclaimer for the program this evening, the views of this episode, Undivided, episode number 43, may not necessarily be the views of myself as host, Frank J. Maduri. My guest this evening is Minu Hexbor. It may not necessarily be her views and may not necessarily be the views of the, of the Life Coach Radio Network, excuse me. And here on Undivided, we are live at 7 p.m. Eastern, 7.02 to be exact, here on April the 3rd, the year 2019. And now that we move beyond the disclaimer, our program tonight is going to focus, and I hope all, all of you have been doing well in the two weeks since the uh, toxic relationships, navigating toxic relationships episode aired with Lisa Concepcion. Uh, it's been a productive two weeks here, and our, our focus tonight is going to be on the triangle of divides. And those will be cultural, gender, and socioeconomic divisions between people. Uh, cultural stereotype is someone that forms an opinion of another person based on where they're from, their religion, or what language they speak before getting to know the individual to realize that the opinion may not reflect the reality. That's one of the definitions. Uh, an overgeneralized belief is another definition of a stereotype. Stereotypes are cognitive. They're without conscious awareness. We're gonna get into this with Minu in a minute. Prejudice is more effective. It's affective. Uh, it's a, it's a, a component of stereotyping that manifests itself in a more affective way. And discrimination is a behavioral and almost a reaction. Uh, so those are very important distinctions to make before we begin our episode this evening and, and this topic this evening. Socioeconomic status is a measure of one's combined economic and social status. They're a combined measurement usually of your education level, your income, and your occupation. 
Discrimination serves to bring down human potential. It degrades the inherent dignity and worth of the individual and of the person. There are certain barriers and perceptions that permeate our society, and we're going to get into that this evening. And those barriers and those perceptions and that lens that we view the world as we've spoken about many times through the series run of undivided that tends to change with one stage of life and helping us navigate through all of this this evening is our special guest Minu Hexpor. Uh, she's going to lend her experience, her life experience, her expertise to this topic. She's a certified professional coach, as I am. She's a lead trainer for IPEC as well. She holds two master's degrees and numerous professional certifications. She's held positions with multiple international organizations involved in counseling and mentoring people, running different programs that do human outreach. Uh, she has lived both in Europe and in the Middle East. She's a private coaching practice called the Nomad Coach, which is coaching for the bold and brave who want to take their life in their own hands and look for the magic, those who have stayed off the uh, common path and have cut out their own. So we're going to speak to Amina. We're going to get her up now. Amina Hexmore, welcome to Undivided. Yes, good evening, Frank. How are you? Great. How are you doing? Can you hear me okay? I am I'm doing wonderful. It's very nice being on your show and connecting with you tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, there is a slight delay. You'll get used to it as we go through. And as I laid out in the intro, I really appreciate you being here. You know, I had laid it out two weeks ago at the end of our show that, you know, Aminu joins us from Beirut, Lebanon, so she stayed up late with us tonight, so I really appreciate that. <laughs> um, there's <people> yes. <laughs> Lots of coffee involved, I'm here, sure. Yes. 2 a.m. there, yes, and we are at yes. 7.06 here in New Jersey on the East Coast. In your experience as we enter the uh, segment, the first segment of the program, uh, for those that listen yeah. to it, they know. For those that don't, it's called the divide segment. Uh, you face barriers, you know, based on your background, where you've lived, your gender, and other factors. Other people also have faced similar stereotypes. What is the underlying factor or common thread in those barriers? Uh you know, Frank, what I, really, what I really think is that eventually when it comes to common factors, it is the consequences that are common for people. You know, I think ultimately whether we grow up, you know, in a very open, hippie, parents kind of environment that I very much resonate with, or if we grow up in a strong stereotyped world or anything else, whatever it is, the common theme is, again, that we mostly internalize the belief system that we grow in, right? So um, the expectations that the world has ahead of us when we grow up, um, the expectations we think the world has of us, uh, the expectations that we create of ourselves, and the consequences that all those expectations have for how we ultimately shape the people who we are. So what do we really believe or think we need to conform to based on those stereotypes that you mentioned, be that socioeconomic, be that cultural, that uh, gender-based uh, stereotypes. So the mold we end up thinking we need to fit in and the consequences of, of that when we actually don't fit in that mold. 
It's very true. You, you know, pe- people they they feel like, oh, I have to fit within this this mold, and or else I'm not going to be accepted, uh, or else I'm not going to be. I'm going to be viewed in a certain way. Uh, that tends to really shape a lot of of people um, and their own um, outlook. You know, I would say it's probably the best way of putting it. Um, yes. What barrier or challenge in your life helped motivate you to change your outlook? Um, I think, you know, for me, just to, to give you a quick reflection of how I grew up and how that led to my barriers. Um, I grew up, as I mentioned earlier, in a, in a house with uh, very free-thinking parents. Uh, my mother was very involved in uh, women activism. I grew up as a very free child, a free soul, a family breaking through stereotypes. Uh, and I felt as a child very free and strong. And, you know, I, was, I felt very much in tune with myself. Um, I think what, what happened is that when I grew up uh, to become a teenager and in my, in my uh, early 20s, is that I really felt I had very little framework or understanding of how the real world was working and how all those stereotypes and expectations were influencing people, were, were, were framing me in a certain way. Um, so I think that, that um, eventually, you know, that's that what you, you mentioned, just the sense of belonging and acceptance that people look for. I think that the different, the different way that I felt I was being perceived compared to how I saw myself um, really created distance between me and between the people that I encountered uh, in my world and that otherness um, uh, really created in me a very strong desire to feel close, to feel intimately accepted, to feel emotionally connected and to feel feel really like belong in a world that I actually didn't resonate with. So I think it is eventually that what drove to take me to take a very close look at myself and what my outlook meant in relation to what I was attracting into my life. Now, obviously, when I was a child and a teenager, of course, I wasn't really consciously aware of that. But I did always feel this, you know, this inner drive to move forward because I really believed there was more than just trying to fit into a system that I actually didn't fit in. So I felt I didn't didn't fit in that that gender stereotyped mold I was expected to fit in. I didn't feel I fitted. Uh, I fit in 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 the socioeconomic circumstances I grew up in, and what that came, what that meant for the expectations people had of me. So I always felt this immense drive inside that there was a different way of belonging, instead of conforming to those expectations. And I think I was, there were times I was terrified. I was terrified of creating change. I was terrified of stepping into the unknown and, and breaking the relations and the lives my own self ended up in and eventually ended up holding myself back from being who I really was. But there was always this inner voice, you know, that, that made me feel I wanted to move forward and that reminded me of that there was more for me when it came to finding 
where I belong and and where I am accepted. And actually, a funny thing that came to my mind, I was thinking this morning a bit about our talk tonight. There's a beautiful quote of, uh, or a beautiful piece from a book called The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. Khalil Gibran is a, a Lebanese uh, poet and writer. Um, and he wrote a book called The Prophet. And there's one piece in his, in his book that always stayed with me throughout the years um, that I would like to share with you if you have, uh, uh, if you would like. Sure. Absolutely. So the part, the, the, the part with me from the book that really resonated with me uh, is the following part. It is not a garment I cast off this day, but a skin that I tear with my own hands. The thought I leave behind me, but a heart made sweet with hunger and with thirst. Yet I cannot tarry longer. The sea that calls all things unto her calls me, and I too must embark. For to stay, though the hours burn in the night, is to freeze and crystallize and be bound in a mold. Fain would I take with me all that is here, but how shall I? A voice cannot carry the tongue and the lips that gave it wings. Alone it must seek the eater, and alone and without its nest shall the eagle fly across the sun. Now, why that quote stayed so much with me, um, or that part from his book, is because I was so hungry. I was so hungry to step into a world of which I knew so little, of which I actually didn't feel I fitted. I was hungry for moving, and no matter how scared I was, um, at the same time, I was hungry to seek outside the box in which I had been for so long. You know, it was almost as if there was this voice calling me on the other side, me new, me new, keep moving, you'll get there. And with there, I mean that feeling of um, with what truly makes me happy, what my purpose is and what gives me fulfillment as opposed to what I thought the world was expecting of me. So That's I, wonderful. That was, yeah, for me that was really a the overcoming of um, of a barrier or a challenge, um, and believing ultimately believing that where I was going was an existing space in the world, but also inside of myself. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And as a poet, I really appreciate you uh, sharing that. You know, I've written. Tons of poems in my in my life on the writing side of what I do, and um, that states things very eloquently, and, and I think can really encapsulate some of what you were experiencing at that time. So uh, it's really wonderful that you were able to share that, and you know, also you know, speaking to you know, what we would call limiting beliefs and coaching and. We'll get yeah. into that in a moment. It's uh, 7.15 on the nose, so it's time to take our short break. Uh, we're 15 minutes in here. Live episode number 43 of Undivided, the Triangle of Divides. We'll return in a moment. First, an upcoming show promotion for you, Replenish Me. Replenish Me, Cordelia Gaffar. Cordelia Gaffar is the host. The series is called Replenish Me. Next episode is one week from tonight, Wednesday, April the 10th, Live at 7 p.m. on the Life Coach Radio Network. Replenish me, Cordelia Gaffar. Wednesday, April the 10th, one week from tonight, 
live, 7 p.m. Eastern, here on the Life Coach Radio Network. Audible.com is our sponsor this evening. Let's raise some money tonight. Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338. Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338. www.salvationarmy.org. That's www.salvationarmy.org. Enter your zip code to donate in your local community, or as we've said in the past on this show, Google the poor zip code in your state and donate to them to reach people that are in desperate need. And we're back here on Undivided, episode number 43, The Triangle of Divides. I'm your host, Frank Jimadari. Minu is along with us this evening as our special guest. And when we went to the break, and I appreciate that, that wonderful answer that you provided, uh, you know, sometimes, and I know in my own life, when you said that you felt um, you were kind of miscast, uh, kind of like, I don't fit this mold, I felt that way at points going through grammar school. I felt like an old soul, so to speak. I felt like, uh, you know, I was uh, not really interested in what some other people my age were interested in. And uh, it made me feel kind of uh, like an outcast almost at points. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we tend to put up defenses. You know, I used to put up walls and when people were trying to, you know, even probably in a very, a uh, nice way to get to know me. It was hard for me to, to let the guard down. Um, when putting up those defenses, as we would call them, or trying to figure out, you know, who you were while dealing with all these different divides, the triangle divides as we're talking about tonight, cultural, gender, whether it's socioeconomic, uh, et cetera. Um, how did you approach those struggles? And how did that approach change over time? So it's a two-part question. Yes. So I really, I really, I really love that question um, when I was reviewing it. And, you know, exactly what you say, the, the, the moment where we grow up and we feel different and we experience those walls and those defenses as a mechanism towards our own self-protection. And um, I think, like, looking back, as I mentioned earlier, I was I was oftentimes terrified, really terrified to approach the struggles that I faced and eventually to make choices, right? So oftentimes I didn't make choices in my early teens and in my late uh, in my in my late teens and my early twenties. I was terrified to make choices. So what I often did at the time, I was I waited. I waited for the chaos to descend upon me and, you know, that I was kind of forced to make a choice. So chaos that would become so big that I would feel forced uh, in one way or another um, as if I had no other choices left. Um, And with chaos, I mean really, you know, those moments in your life that you know inside that you are in a place where you shouldn't be staying or that you have, that you really time to change something because you are not happy, because you are compromising too much. Um, knowing that you have to move on, but really don't find the courage to actually do that. So somehow I would steer my own situations into a breaking point moment so that kind of fate, you know, had to decide for me and I would just go with that. Um, and that was oftentimes really my way of, of, um, uh, of approaching struggle. 
Now, in retrospect, uh, it is interesting because I do think that even that, even looking for that undecided breaking point, was always in line somehow with where I needed to go as a human being. And it was always in line with getting closer to, to myself, to who I truly was. Now, to come to the second part of your question, like how did that change over time, um, that strategy did change. Uh, I think that the more baggage I was able to let go of, uh, the more I was able to let go of what I thought people were expecting of me, be that as a woman, uh, be that as a partner, be that as where I come from, how I was raised, be that um, even my, my, my cultural context, um, all the expectations that I somehow internalized over the years, the more I was able to let go of what I believed I had to be, the more inner healing I found also in, in um, addressing what I had gone through in my childhood, in my teenage years, more confidence and the more trust I really built in who I really am as a person. And the more trust I built and built and the more confidence I built actually led to needing uh, less and less chaos to direct my choices. Because I really learned um, how to trust my own choices and myself. You know, I, I guess that's a process, right? <laughs> to come from a place of, of fear and um, being afraid of making choices that might be confrontational in the world that we live in because we are afraid to hurt people or disappoint people or because we are afraid that we won't fit in, that we don't belong. Um, but eventually, eventually it was really that, that process to go through with myself of coming to terms with my own reality and my own outlook that led me to make more conscious choices choices that um, were based on my intuition, on what really makes me happy, and I think mostly on what I really want to experience in this human life I'm having here on Earth. Because, like, honestly, how short is the time that we have here? And what do we really consciously choose as human beings to create because that's what we want to experience in our lifetime. And I think that was, for me, a, a process of coming from, you know, being, being directed by, by chaos or, you know, the no return point to really saying to myself, you know, what, what do you really want in this lifetime on this planet? It's really profound. You know, I think at, at a lot of points, whether we are aware of that or not, you know, there are some people that kind of um, don't get themselves to that point, and there's other people that will and won't know what to do, if you know where I'm going. And whether you realize it or not, there are certain points in our lives where we spend a lot of time spinning wheels, so to speak. And yes, absolutely. I remember being there and saying, right? And you're saying to yourself, what am I doing? Like, I'm, um, I'm in neutral here. And, you know, time is a gift and, you know, we can only impact, we can't do anything about what's happened before, uh, what's happened in the past. We only can control our present and uh, plan for the future as, as best as we can. And, and so I, I like how you put that, you know, we don't, you know, 
time here is, is short, really. You know, uh, a friend of mine has uh, been married 15 years ago today, and he said, wow, I, I remember that day. Where did the time go? You know, that sort of thing. You know, it's 15 Absolutely. years. Exactly. Exactly. And how do we choose yeah. in those 15 years? How do we choose, really, you know, in retrospect, how did we really consciously shape the years that pass us by? And um, as you say, where did they go? <laughs> and what did we do with it? Right, right. And and that's, that's so finite. And to, to spend that time, you know, creating or impacting or inspiring other people, you know, despite all that, despite, you know, our gender, our culture, our socioeconomic class, uh, you, you know, talking about not fitting in, you know, I think we all have a need for that belonging, that fulfillment, but the discrimination, the stereotypes, you know, that I talked about before, that only serves to bring down our human potential. Uh, our society often tends to keep us in, in boxes. We've talked about the boxes on this program before, separate boxes, separate categories, uh, the Cage of Title show, we talked about that, the show with uh, Jenna Poneman about gender roles. How did you begin the process of finding your true belonging? Um, you know, I think also, like, how, how do we look at things, right? Like when you say that despite our gender and cultural or, or socioeconomic class, we all have a need for belonging, for fulfillment, uh, what is affecting us, uh, us, how our stereotypes really bringing down human potential. And I think it's also the way that we look at things that actually shape that reality. Um, discrimination and stereotypes just don't bring down human potential. On the other side of that spe spectrum, there is something else. And the other side of it, of bringing down, is actually rising up. So um, if we look at it from a higher conscious perspective, um, if consciousness or the spirit itself experiences itself through human existence, then the experience, then the knowing of what it is to rise up, to overcome, to manifest, plays without the concept of being brought down. So if you look at that from, you know, from above, without judgment, without the stories that we make out of everything and that we create because we want to understand with our mind, things are just what they are. And um, experiencing the feeling of being brought down is just that. And experiencing to rise up is just that. And ultimately knowing that, that the two are two sides of the same energetic mechanism or two sides of the same coin brings really the question, like, how consciously are we choosing where we are standing um, on a spectrum? Now, Looking at that from a more human perspective on a larger scale, I believe concept like, concept, concepts like this really have to do a lot with control. You know, how, how are people controlled? And how are people distracted? Um, how are people kept occupied with something? And eventually, change happens when we collectively, as a people, decide that something is enough and that it's time for change, that we collectively choose um, to look at something um, from a different angle. And you can see that, for example, with the level of consciousness across the globe that is rising and that is becoming 
uh, more aware. So to bring that back to the question, when, how I related to that, um, and how I, did I start the process of finding my true belonging? Uh, good question. I think by, by consciously choosing to experience things because I wanted to feel them, um, consciously choosing situations in my life and people in my life because I wanted to experience the feelings that came with that. And I think that that moment when I started becoming aware that that was something I connected with, that that was the starting point of, of finding my own belonging and who I really am. Um, and, and, and to get back, uh, to, get back to the, the belonging that I once desired, um, but disconnected, uh, felt disconnected from throughout life. Um, it was really somehow, ironically, finding back in myself what I once knew as a child, but that I kind of lost along the way um, when I encountered a world that I didn't feel I, 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 fit, I fit in. So it was really, it was really um, allowing myself to experience without feeling that I should be limited by expectation and make conscious choices in that direction. Yeah, that's where it, where it really started. That's excellent. And excellent, I think, for our, our audience to hear, too, making those conscious choices. You know, when you counterbalance that, you know, against the apathy in society, uh, which I think exists, this general apathy, this feeling, this overall attitude, I'm going to settle, you know, this is, you know, the best things are going to be in this current state. This is, you know, the ceiling of what I'm going to achieve. I'm okay with, you know, staying here. Next episode in this series is going to expand upon this apathy that's driven by stereotypes. Um, we're going to talk about that, the breaking the cycle of, of that desperation, not so quiet desperation, which we talked about on the show, being in a job that you really hate, but going through the motions type of thing. The effects are numerous, right? There's the gender pay gap. There's the societal views on race, culture. There's perceptions around status, right? Uh, the cause is really complex. In sociology, we've talked about the concept on this show, the person environment perspective that does come to mind here so does nature versus nurture which we've talked about uh, at points too what in your experience is the root cause of this apathy or fear um, well if you look like and in, in sociological terms you know fearfulness is a varying is in varying degrees um, in part of the very fabric of everyday uh, social relations. So um, that also implies that fear can be controlled or in other words, used if you understand how it enters the human mind, you know, the, the, the social fabric of our society and the identity that we create within it are oftentimes used to shape what we should fear as opposed to who we really are and what we are truly capable of, you know, how much of, of what we create in our world is actually based on fear thinking. So in other words, using our social fabric as a vehicle to enter fear into the human mind 
it's really one of the most powerful things that have been used over time to control large groups of people or to get some sort of emotional buy-in uh, of the masses for things that were out of, otherwise maybe unjustified. Um, so thought-up concepts created out of situations pulled of, out of context. You know, like if you look at current uh, current trends that were that were really entering society through that mechanism of fear. You think of methods of mass destructions and destruction and what happened around that. Think of the, the whole shaping of the, of, of the Muslim terrorists or of the Mexican immigrants. Like how are those concepts really created out of situations that are pulled out of context and then used to create fear through our social structure, either as a vehicle or as a very, very thing that's under threat. So I think that the, the root cause of fear from that perspective is really um, manufacturing it and using it consciously. And, you know, how do we manufacture fear? And, and maybe the bigger question, why is that possible? And I think, why is it possible to create that immense fear throughout a society or throughout a group of people is exactly the, the, the paradox here is because the human mind is infinitely flexible and capable. So what we put in it lives in it. You know, where, where energy goes, where the mind goes, energy flows. So this is the power we have as humans. So how do we take responsibility as individuals, as a neighbor, as a parent, as a friend, as whomever or whatever role we play as a collective for what we want to believe and create versus what we are taught or made to believe. And um, because, because we really have the power to create anything um, that, we, that, we, that we choose to, and if we do that, we we'll do that so much more consciously, what fears are we actually just adopting to believe that affect um, our look, our way of looking at ourselves, our way of looking at our neighbors, or at our neighboring countries, or whomever. So, yeah, I think the power of the mind uh, and the conscious choices that we make around that fear. That's there's so much. I know these an, these questions um, provide uh, answers that are so detailed, and I appreciate you going there you know, with me, because that is, uh, that was a very, very well thought out uh, answer to that question. Uh, and we're going to delve into some of uh, those things when we bridge the divide in our next segment. So we're at 734 Undivided, episode 43. The Triangle Divides will return after our midpoint of the show break. Upcoming show promotions for you, Money Magic. Money Magic. Joel Kahn is the host. Tuesday, April the 16th, 4 p.m. Eastern. Now, remember, Gold does this show live from London. So it's 9 p.m. in London. It's 4 p.m. in the East. Figure out your time zone here in America from there. It's on the Life Coach chat channel. This is, I believe, her third or fourth episode. That's Gold Kahn. Money Magic. Money Magic with Gold Kahn. Tuesday, April the 16th, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Life Coach chat channel. Erica Wiederlite, Erica Wiederlite show Mondays twice a month, 11:30 a.m. Eastern live, or wethelight.com. 
that's her website. So you can uh, head on over there uh, to her website, wethelight.com, to get the full schedule. It's 11.30 a.m., excuse me, Eastern Mondays, twice a month. It's Erica Weir Light Show. Again, if you are struggling, if you have been stereotyped or mistreated or abused, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. They want to remind you that you matter. Every life is important. If you feel like you've been mistreated, if you feel like you've been stereotyped in a way, uh, whether it's based on your gender, your culture, and you can't get around that, if it's got you very depressed, if it's got you feeling like you have no options or no hope, please call the number that's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. www.samaritanspurse.org is 828-262-1980. That's 828-262-1980 for Samaritan's Purse or www.samaritanspurse.org. And we're back here on Undivided, episode number 43, The Triangle Divides with my special guest, Mio Hexper, uh, Undivided Show, that's undividedshow at, at gmail.com. You could DM me at fmaduri, that's at F-M-A-D-U-R-I on Twitter if you want to DM me. I'm going to open the phone line, 646-716-9397. Again, the phone number is 646-716-9397. And we have a call here holding. I'm going to put up that caller now. I would just ask for your name, where you're from, your question and to lower your speakers if you're listening to us live. Hello, welcome to Undivided. I'm so sorry. I was uh, actually just started to listen in and and I wasn't sure that I was keyed in. So if you would excuse me, I would I would like to to uh, continue to listen. Okay, thank you very much and thanks for the call. Thanks for listening in. Okay, so we're going to open the phone lines at 646-716-9397, and I appreciate that gentleman for uh, being honest and saying, hey, he was just trying to listen in and um, hopefully enjoys the program. And uh, Mina, you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Ah, I still got you. Okay, I thought we had a caller up. He was holding for a couple minutes, wanted to get him on. How do we bridge the divide as we're in this segment called Bridging the Divide? How do we bridge the divide between those who struggle with their own self-worth based on societal messaging around their gender, ethnicity, their life path, or their socioeconomic class, with those who struggle with self-judgment, with those who blame society and societal, ter- societal stereotypes excuse me, for their problems, with those that think that every individual must, quote, unquote, fend for themselves. We've heard that a lot. You know, go out there, fend for yourself. How do we unite or bridge all of those factions, if you will, this is usually a big question to the point of our show, to a place of (laughs) harmony, self-worth, and as you would call it, being their own anchor. So I would like to hear from you. I know I'm putting you on the spot here. Yes. So, so, you know, we we use a lot of big words here, right? We talk about about so many big challenges in society, uh, socioeconomic, societal stereotypes, we use a lot of big words and concepts and but eventually eventually who are, who do we sit down with in the end, you know? And um 
um, maybe it's just about peeling the onion and, and, and metaphorically peeling the onion. What is really going on for someone? What is really going on? What is driving you forward? Um, why do you do what you do? Why do you think what you think? And most of all, how are your thoughts and your feelings and your actions actually serving that what you truly uh, long for to be or to become? So how often do we really look at, at our thoughts and feelings and our actions and to what extent they are actually driven by fear or if they are coming from a place of love and conscious choice? And I think that's really a, a major part of, of starting to bridge um, somehow the expectations, our expectations, the world's expectations, whatever expectations or mold, and, and, and what is really going on on the individual level. And what does it mean for an individual, for you, to feel harmonious? What is harmony to you? What is self-worth to you? What does that look like? What does that feel like? And I, I really believe by exploring those concepts for yourself as an individual um, really helps you to find out, um, you know, where, where your little boat, your little boat on that big ocean is going and where you put out, where you want to put out your anger and, and what places you want to sail to, um, to discover and to experience and to connect with. So I, re- I really believe in that concept of, you know, peeling away, peeling, peeling the onion and peeling away all the layers that we have built around ourselves and to say, you know, what's, what's really on the inside? What are my colors? What do I look like um, when I am stripped away of everything I've put in my, in my backpack over, over the course of my life? So I really believe that that where it starts when, with asking ourselves some serious questions about um, what we are really looking for in life, but also how our thoughts, feelings, and actions serving that desire. Yes, I know that you and I went through, obviously both went through uh, uh, IPEC, and um, you talk about you know fear-based decisions versus you know, values-based or conscious-based decisions. And uh, I think you really touched on that there, right? You know, you can make a lot of decisions based on fear and getting and working with the client and also doing a lot of self-reflection and self-evaluation on, am I making this decision out of fear? Am I making this decision because it aligns with my values or am I making this decision out of love? You know, there's, that's a big difference and uh, getting people to change that mindset because there's so much, you know, fear driven decision-making that happens, you know, I think just with all these pressures within society uh, that becomes invariably what happens. And again, what drives you? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. You know, it's very powerful um, and very concise you know, trying to figure out and unearth that within yourself and, and within someone that you may be coaching or counseling, um, you know, is a very powerful question to ask. Uh, it helps to, uh, you know, put it in different terms so that you can break down all these layers 
uh, peel them back, as as you would say. Uh, how did you do that? How did you embrace all the different sides of yourself? As you touched on it before, like you had to learn to trust your own choices. You had said that earlier, and I, I wrote that down. You know, how did how did you uh, trust in who you really are? Those choices you're gonna make versus how society might perceive you. And then what advice would you have for the audience? There's people out there that are looking maybe to start that process. Yes. So I think it is it's a very interesting question because it really reminds me a bit, uh, brings me back a bit of what I talked also earlier about, um, about needing chaos to come to a breaking point so decisions would kind of be made for me instead of me having to take conscious decisions. Now, I struggled immensely, immensely, deeply with being myself, and at times I still do. And, and I think one of the, of the struggles or one of the biggest parts of that struggle was that I actually feel there are so many different parts of me and sides of me, so many different me's that I want to experience, that I want to explore, that I want to experiment with, um, but also that I somehow want to bring together. And I think that that's also a big point that I realized at one point when it comes to belonging, that the ultimate belonging I was looking for was the reconciliation of everything that I want to be and that I feel that I am and that I encompass as one human being. So how did I give voice? How do I give voice to all those parts of myself and how do I bring them together? You know, instead of all these parts inside of myself fighting with one another for their little piece of, <laughs> little piece of attention, how do they become one person? Um, so the real turning point came um, when I found myself in an environment in which I felt I will never be able to fit, fit the mold to match what I thought all kinds of people were expecting of me. Of course, I never asked them what they were expecting of me. I just assumed what I thought uh, I had to fit in. And that was when I moved to Lebanon. I found myself really in so many new and unfamiliar situations. Um, and also, I, I have to say, across the society, um, uh, my work, um, whether that was I worked for a humanitarian organization that worked with a refugee community during the Syrian crisis. Um, my husband um, uh, is a politician, so I was also very close to the, the political scene in Lebanon. And there, then there was my friends, my Dutch, the Dutch community that I was very close to and still am very close to, uh, my Lebanese friends, an international uh, group of people, and when I came to Lebanon, I really felt like, how, how on God's planet am I ever going to fit in all those expectations or different roles that I felt I really had to fit into? And it became so overwhelming that I actually felt forced for the first time to really touch base with who I am um, because it was too much to look at all those different molds that I thought I had to be fitting into. So the only alternative that was there was to touch base with myself and say, okay, so you know, in all those different worlds that you are encountering or trying to bridge and that come with so many differences, who are you really wanting to be? And both for yourself and for other people. 
and and I think that that moment was really uh, a moment where I consciously decided, you know, to step into my power really, really means um, to strip myself of all the roles and all the expectations and all the molds and all the stories and all the things that I took on over the years and just say, you know what, this is who I am. And that's fantastic. Um, this person who I think I am, which who I'm still discovering myself, this is the person I want to bring into the world. So starting that process, you know, you can do that in so many ways. Um, uh, and, and really, really, there's so many different ways of doing that. So one way could be to ask yourself, um, for example, what you are tolerating in your life. And um, things that you would stop tolerating if you had a choice to do so without consequences. You know, what are people, what are you tolerating in your life? What are the people who are listening tolerating in their lives that they would change if they feel they could? And, um, you know, we are willing to make so many compromises, so, so many compromises based on the fear for the alternative or fear for, for, uh, for reactions or for the unknown or, you know, but what if we wouldn't do that? So one way of doing that is I'd like to give you a bit of or to, to, to talk a bit about practical things people can do. Uh, one way you could do is to keep an awareness journal of what you are actually tolerating in your life. And make a note every time you tolerate something, when you feel you are compromising yourself, you know. So, and why is that interesting? Because it really brings your awareness um, to what extent you are actually tolerating things that you would change if you could. And by bringing your awareness to that, you will really increase your ability to make more conscious choices based on what you really want versus some sort of default tolerating things, you know, or just as opposed to just going with what you were taught to go with. Um, You know, the, the human being is really a master at rationalizing. I'm a master at rationalizing you know, and explaining away why things are or aren't or should or shouldn't. But what if we would really allow ourselves to think without those rules and without all those thought-up ideas and really see um, how we can connect with that side of our potential and uh, what would change if we stop tolerating and compromising our true selves and start making small changes in our daily life and the small things we say or do or choose to do to be more authentic with ourselves. I love how you put that. I really do. And, and you know, a lot of things stuck out to me. And, and thank you for giving so much advice to the, the listener. It's almost like that, that interpretation that the stereotypes are, you know, what you think uh, they want you to be or what you think they want you to act like. It, that's so. That was such a powerful statement in my mind. Like you're sitting there how, trying to figure out how do I fit in here. And, then you know, and humans do that. We make a lot of decisions based on how we think it's going to play, quote unquote, with other people. You know, what do they expect from me in this situation? What do they expect me to act like? Well, then I'm going to compromise. You know, to fit that role or to fit within instead of just being our authentic selves. And that's something that we've we've talked about in this series in the past, and it's so hard to do. 
You know, what are you tolerating? That's, that's such a great question. There are people out there that might be tolerating different things. And, you know, what would you do and if, if all these barriers and all these fear-based consequences, quote-unquote, were lifted from the scenario, what would you do? I know somebody who's stuck with someone in a, like a, a dating relationship, and they were miserable because that person had stuck with them when they were going through some, some really deep personal challenges. And then that person held that over them. They're like, well, I stayed with you when you were going through X, Y, and Z. And um, so you can't, you know, basically leave me now. And this person's in this relationship, you know, basically miserable because they're being guilted into staying in it. And I'm saying to this person, like, dude, you know, you've got to get out of this thing. Like, it's not serving either one of you, and you're tolerating and compromising all this stuff to stay in it because now it's the fear of I'm going to be alone. It's the fear of, you know, I've been with this yeah. person for X number of years. So the alternative, you know, they're, they're not going in. They're, they're not ready to shuffle the deck yet, so to speak. You know, that's uh, you know, that self-change. Absolutely, model. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, that's fear of the unknown, right? Creates, exactly. So then that it becomes, well, then what, what am I going to do then instead of, you know, am I really being fulfilled by this relationship? And, and you know, the toxic relationship show two weeks ago, I talked about someone else that I met who was in an abusive, you know, verbally, mentally and otherwise, even physically, relationship with somebody for five years and finally got out of it. And as I, that took a lot because she was saying, like, now I've burned bridges with my family. I've, you know, burned bridges with my closest friends. And my entire life is, you know, caught up in this person who treats me terribly. And, you know, well, what's it going to be like? What if no one talks to me? What if I call my friends and no one wants anything to do with me? That was what was keeping her in this. You know, and you can see that yeah. happening. You know, where am I going to live? We live together. Now I'm going to have to find a place of my own. Can I afford that? Would any friend allow me to live with them for a while? Would my family, you know, reconcile with me? And it's all this fear that kept, and then you break free of that. You see this person's like a different person. You know, they're independent. They live by themselves and they, are doing well with their job now because they don't have all this distraction of being brought down. So those are all very important things, you know, to, to point out to the audience. Like, what are you tolerating? The two examples we just laid out. Um, The triangle divides along with other factors can, can then cast a wave of self doubt, kind of what we were just talking about. So it's a good segue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. happens within people sociology psychology which i know you have some background in life coaching mm-hmm. which you definitely do and so a lot other disciplines we have many approaches to self-doubt there's cause and effect there's the pull past emotional scars situation with us there's the energy blocks that we discuss in, in coaching we've discussed on the show prior you know in different episodes mainstream society pushes individualism and isolationism and that can lead to loneliness, disconnection, and unfulfillment. Excuse me, some things I was just talking about. What factors impact self-doubt? So it's the first part of the question. And how can people overcome their doubts to live a more balanced and fulfilled life? 
Yes. So I think, you know, there are, there are multiple reasons, of course, why people, why people doubt themselves. Why do people doubt their power or their, their ability, their courage to step out of an abusive relationship? Um, that could be from, from so many different angles. What is creating that doubt in people? And, and you know, if, if we look at it like a few, a few things to, to, we might look at when it comes to what creates self-doubt is, you know, we, we really tend to interpret um, the possible future uh, based on, on uh, how do we interpret the possible future? How do we create a, a picture of the possible future? Oftentimes we actually do that by thinking of the past and, uh, you know, uh, what happens in there, assuming that that will happen again, or creating stories about virtually everything, anything that happens. Um, so why we should, why we shouldn't do things, why we can, why we can't do things. Um, so if, some, if something was unsuccessful or painful in the past, we kind of, you know, what do we do? We expect happen again or we are afraid it will happen again and that fear for repetition oftentimes creates a lot of self-doubt in people um, in, in feeling confident in moving forward and now one way of overcoming that um, and I'm, like, I'm a firm believer of, of creating an inner dialogue with yourself so um, I think for people who struggle with, with you know, overcoming um, self-doubt, asking yourself some questions um, could really be helpful in bringing your awareness to what is really going on for you. So questions that you, for example, could ask yourself is, uh, you know, what is another way of looking at a certain situation uh, when you feel that, that, that a situation or a choice that you have to make or the way you look at yourself or the way you doubt yourself is really affecting you, ask yourself, just ask yourself, you know, look at yourself in the mirror, sit with yourself and have a cup of tea and say, you know, what is a different way of looking at this? Or what is the most effective way of looking at this? Um, or ask yourself, how are my ideas actually holding me back from breaking through this? Um, or what, what do I really truly want to believe about myself? And to come a bit, a bit back to, to, to what we talked about earlier uh, and that spectrum, you know, of, of uh, when we talked about um, um, being brought down or, be, or, or rise up, um, uh, there's another side always. There's always another side to everything. So, so what would be the complete opposite of looking at something from the way you do now? What would that spectrum look like if you are stuck or feeling full of self-doubt in one place, what is the opposite of that self-doubt? And what would that look like if you would allow yourself to flourish in that? Um, I think we talked about another aspect, you know, another, another big influencer is how we deal with expectations. Um, somehow, many of us, uh, our, human, our human mind and our human being uh, tends really to measure, we measure ourselves against you know against what really against against some sort of invisible measuring stick uh, of, of expectation of, of internal expectation external expectation like what is that measuring stick why do we do that you know because we are afraid not to be liked maybe we are afraid to upset people maybe to do something wrong or um, to be afraid uh, that we feel bad about about ourselves 
Um, but in reality, actually, all these stories that we create in our heads are just preventing us, are preventing you from moving actually out uh, of that little, that little box that we confine ourselves to with all those um, fear-based questions and, 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 and self-doubt. And then they become what? You know, what, what do they eventually become? They become excuses. They have become excuses for not changing, um, to not changing our lives for the better because we get stuck in that circle thinking, I'm not good enough, I can't do it, and what if things will happen again? So they all become reasons. They all become reasons not to change things. And we become really the victim of our own thinking process and our own feelings. Um, that actually reminds me of a, of a great uh, saying by uh, Michael Pastore. I'm sure that you are familiar with as you uh, as we do a lot of uh, similar work. It is better to follow the voice inside and be at war with the whole world than to follow the ways of the world and be at war with your deepest self. So, mm. of course, that sounds beautiful. <laughs> And I think it is beautiful. For me, it has always been a, a um, something that I, that I live by or that I try to live by. But then in reality, how do you really start overcoming, right, that self-doubt? So by asking ourselves when we are being true to ourselves and when we are trying to follow the ways of the world for whatever reason, you know, when are we really doing that? Um, and I think that's that's really where where that where that question starts, um, you know, in living the life that that you that is that you really want to live, that is true to yourself, to who you really are, and um, asking yourself, you know, am I am, whose voice am I following? Am I following some sort of fear-based external voice that I internalize into my system, or am I actually really listening to my own deep voice inside? And am I finding the courage or when am I finding the courage to step into that voice and live, uh, live that life? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, um, I think a question that a lot of people, people either struggle with or a lot of people don't know how to even answer. Uh, the spiritual connection definitely helps there too. You know, listening to, you know, the voice of listening to the spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit, we being guided uh, and, and really tapping into that spiritual component and following uh, those prompts. Are we following the ways of the world and, and maybe going down the wrong path, quote unquote, uh, a path that's, you know, we think society wants us to take uh, uh, versus who we really want to be and being our true self. Um, what do you think the role of life coaching is in helping people? I know you touched on it in a couple of answers. So uh, just trying to crystallize it because we always talk about the role of coaching on the program usually around this time. What is the role of life coaching in helping people connect with their true self amid the pressures and stereotypes of society? Um. You know, what, what I experience with, with many clients, and I'm sure that you recognize that, that first, the big relief, once people allow themselves to enter a space where they can truly and judgment-free explore their dreams and what they really want out of their lives. And I know that, that you know, there's so much talk around that right now in the positive thinking movement, and, you know, and a lot of people feel like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, live my dreams, live my dreams. But honestly, 
honestly think about the fact that you have a human life here on this planet for a certain amount of time. So allowing yourself the freedom of really asking yourself, what are my dreams about? You know, um, and, and I mean, how often do we really do that? Explore our dreams and desires and what we wish to truly experience in life without immediately thinking up a thousand reasons why we can't or why we shouldn't. And yes, and I think for, you know, for many people it is terrifying sometimes. It is a scary thing to do, but it opens up really a big thing. It opens up being allowed to feel what you want to feel and to think what you want to think. Dream what you want to dream. And from there, I think we can really connect those dreams to the life that we are living and bring the two closer together step by step. So who do we people really want to be as a parent, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a leader, as a, as a community member? Um, from, from in my case, I have worked with a lot of people who travel a lot. Who are they as a traveler? How do they look at themselves as a traveler? Um, as a human being, you know, like, like who do we really want to be as a human being walking on this planet for so many years? And uh, what do we, want, we really, really want to get out of that time in this life? So there's no reason why anyone should wait with connecting to what they truly uh, long for and creating a life that really needs their inner self, their true self, other than that what we are taught to believe, including that triangle of divide. Because, you know, you know the thing is, Frank, they are just, they are all illusions. Everything that we think we have to fit in, we sort them up together as a society. And that also means we can actually unthink them together. We can deconstruct them one at a time, individually, together, collectively. But it's really about making that first step of deconstructing that thought-up reality um, that we created. And I think that's, that's um, um, the power um, where, where, where uh, coaching comes in, is really starting that process um, of connecting with what you really want and deconstructing and removing what is holding you back from realizing that. Right, deconstructing what, what everyone programs you to think, you know, it should be. And Absolutely. looking at, you know, the, you know, some some interpretations and uh, stereotypes, you know, uh, uh, only men play video games. That's a good one. In actuality, it's 50-50, you know. Women are half the gaming population, but everyone, says, everyone always says, oh, men play video games, you know, so that they might be more uh, uh, playing them on mobile devices and things like that. But there's, so mm-hmm. there's all these illusions, you know, uh, uh, men do this and women should do that. They're all, we can go on and on, you know, they're all illusions that have been created and constructed by society to, to hold people we back. Absolutely, we create them ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable, but it's true. Yeah, there's nothing in this world that's existing in our belief system that we haven't created as human beings. It's really fascinating, you know, when you when you dig when you dig into this stuff, it really is. Uh, it's fascinating. So if if you're out there and you're listening, and that's what life coaching can do for you, I think that that answer was really uh, well put. Uh, 
and to reach out to to one of us or to one of any number of people that you know that you connect with that you resonate with uh, to help you through that uh, because you know things can get really tricky and and uh, it's a wonderful like you were saying to have that space uh, the judgment free space to just put everything out there and, and let us help you work at it you know and and design a plan that's going to work for you to connect you to your purpose. You know, as she said, we're only here for a limited amount of time. Let's make this count. You know. So now we're at the point of our show called the Common Ground Piece. It's the last segment of the show. Uh, we're, we're a little bit beyond where we usually are, but we had a, a couple minutes, you know, a little later start, um, and we had some great conversations. So that you know, we're in the moment together. We're present. Uh, how do we find common ground to shift our collective thinking away from the divisions within ourselves, from the triangle divides that we've talked about tonight, to a more empowering outlook of self-confidence, self-worth, and a world where uniqueness and richness of our individuality and the incredible value of each person is celebrated. Yes, so I think, you know, like, like we talked about all those different stereotypes and, and kind of frameworks we, we all put ourselves in. So, so when we talk about common ground that can really shift our collective thinking, um, I think the ultimate common ground, actually, what ultimately connects us, you know, across everything else, what is that? Are the feelings we seek to experience as human beings. We all want to feel we belong. We all want to feel accepted. Um, we all want to feel that we are home, that we matter, that we are loved, that our life is actually worth living, the life that we're living as the human being that we are. Um, you know, that that's connection. We all want to feel connected to one another or to a higher something or but connected somewhere. So eventually bridging those or overstepping or overflowing or going beyond all those stereotypes and things that divide us, um, it doesn't really matter where you come from, you know, what you do, what your socioeconomic background is, how you identify or, you know, what culture you come from. We are all looking um, for those same similar feelings as human beings on this planet. And we share infinitely, infinitely much more with one another than what separates us. I mean, I mean, I mean think of that, right? Really, everything, everything that separates us is all a human construction, all of it, all of it, everything, everything that separates us. We have it thought it up, made it up. So our laws, our rules, our expectations, what separates me from you, why you are different from me, we have all thought that up in the human mind. So whatever we believe we should be, uh, that others should be, all of it. So when thinking of that, I know, and, and finding common ground, how powerful how powerful could we be together if we were able to let it all go and live truly to be um, who we are and support others to do exactly the same, unconditionally, no judgment, just, you know, human compassion and, and, and love for one another away from all that division that we have constructed ourselves in the first place. So if we can really create all this, everything this world is, we can actually truly create anything and we can take the loneliness uh, out of that society 
and the isolation. And that can start with ourselves, it can start with our neighbors, and we can remove the self-constructed barriers between what we think separates us as human beings, because they actually really don't exist. And I think, and I think that's where, where the, ultimate, the ultimate key is um, in, in recognizing that the common ground is being human and being here together in that experience, looking for the same, the same feelings um, and the same belonging. Thanks so much. That's a wonderful answer, and um, really, really ties in everything that we've been uh, talking about throughout this hour. And like I always say, uh, I know always think I'm gonna. Uh, solve the world's problems in an hour, but we at least lift the awareness, the conversation, and shift the dialogue and the narrative that we've really, truly made some big strides towards that. So I thank you for for joining me in that effort tonight and for sharing you know, so much of your experiences. And, and you're right, there are all uh, uh, divisions that have been created by us and we have more in common than, than we think, and we have the power to you know, deconstruct those barriers just as quickly as, as they were put in place through compassion, Absolutely. through empathy, things of that nature. So you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, Mino, and your uh, practice and what you might be working on, uh, anything upcoming uh, that you might have, like an event or uh, maybe an offering or or anything in particular, how they help somebody to contact you, uh, things of that nature we like to do at this point in the show since you were so generous with your time in coming on. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Frank. It was really wonderful uh, being here with you and connecting with you. Um, yes, absolutely. What, what, I, what I do uh, within my work, um, I believe in, in, you know, people can self-make themselves. Um, I think myself, I see myself as a self-made person. Um, I work actually with, with, with a lot of people across the globe, uh, expats, nomads, internationals, um, who in some way are transitioning either between jobs or between places um, or more in an internal transition. So um, actually my, my biggest event was coming up and crossing the big palm tomorrow to your side. <laughs> so that for me is a oh, nice. big event coming up. And um, when, it, no, when it comes to my work, um, uh, anybody who would feel that based on what we talked about today, to reach out, to have a conversation. Uh, I would very much like to invite them uh, to do so. Um, anybody who is struggling with, you know, dealing with that self-doubt or people who feel that they are stuck and unable to, you know, get out of their, out of their own roundabout, uh, keep going around on, feel free to reach out and um, um, have a look at the work that I do through my web- website, which is www.minuhexpor.com. Uh, feel free to have a look and uh, and check in with me if that would uh, if that would serve you in one way or another. That's great. Thank you, Minu, and I hope um, really appreciate your time and coming on. If you want to stay on, you can. If you want to jump, I totally understand. I'm going to do some things to close out the show. 
but it was it was wonderful connecting and having this dialogue tonight. And um, like you said, for the upcoming event that you have coming across to uh, the U.S., I hope it goes really well. I hope you stay safe and uh, uh, great travels, safe travels. And uh, uh, thank you again for being a part of, of Undivided and, and being part of this movement to try and bring harmony to people. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Frank. It was really nice uh, connecting with you, being on here with you, and uh, talk soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. You too. Take care of yourself. Uh, Some upcoming show promotions as we close out the night here on the network uh, before we close the show for the evening. Um, uh, I'm really so grateful to Minu for coming on. Um, and for, for being a part of this uh, this evening all the way from, from Beirut. Uh, Replenish Me, Cordelia Lingafar, Wednesday, April the 10th. It's one week from tonight at 7 p.m. live on the Life Coach Radio Network. Money Magic, Goal Con is the host. Money Magic, Goal Con, Tuesday, April the 16th, 4 p.m. here Eastern on the Life Coach chat channel. Erica Weederlight, Mondays, twice a month, 11.30 a.m. Eastern Live, or go to wethelight.com to find out more about her show and her practice. And then Holy Shift, Holy Shift, like a shift in the car, or an energy shift, which is what the show deals with. Barb Heenan and Leslie Pichotti are the co-hosts there. Again, Barb Heenan, Leslie Pichotti, the show is Holy Shift, Wednesday, April the 17th. That's two weeks from today. 8 a.m. Central, they're a morning show, 8 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Eastern on the Life Coach Radio Network, which is a segue to my show. My next program will be on April the 17th. I'll get to that in a moment, so two weeks from today. Uh, Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338, or 828-262-1980. Food for the Poor, 800-427-427. 9104, as Mina was saying, she was part of a humanitarian organization. Uh, help out Food for the Poor is everywhere, uh, or go to www.foodforthepoor.org. That's Food for the Poor, www.foodforthepoor.org. And then finally, MAP International. They're all over the globe, 800-225-8550, or www.map.org, MAP International, 800-225-8550. So again, as we talk tonight about the Triangle of Divides, Aminu shared a lot and really was gracious with my questions and gracious with with her time and coming uh, and speaking to the audience this evening. We have to shift our thinking. You know, what are you tolerating? Again, coming back to that question, think about that. Why are you seeking affirmation from society that might be incongruent with your own values? So you have to ask yourself that question as well. There's fear-based decisions, and there's decisions based on love or decisions based on your value system. As we talked about being connected, spiritually connected, all of us are created by God. Being connected to God is going to help you with those decisions. You know, talk to God. Shift your thinking away from what, you know, as, as Jesus says in the Bible, you can't serve both God and man. You know, you can't, you know, serve what, what men think is valuable, what the world thinks is important. And as Minu alluded to in, the, in what she read in the quote from the book, you know, 
you're going to end up losing yourself and being at war with yourself, you know, because you're trying to conform to the world, you know, you know, it's better to, you know, save your soul than, you know, sell your soul. It's time for us to think about how we view each other. God created us to live in love and harmony together. As we've talked about the golden rule, love one another. It's time for us to, to love one another and to be together. Harmony. To not look at the differences. You know, we're, as you said, you know, we share more in common and we created the divisions. And if we start to shift that thinking and not look at people the way our minds program us to think, but to look at people as an individual with unique attributes and talents, with unique things that they can contribute to society with passion and compassion and empathy. That's how we'll live truly undivided. So my next show will be April the 17th, episode number 44. My special guest will be Karen Richards. Karen Richards will join the program, special guest from Canada. And tentatively, we're calling it Breaking the Cycle of Desperation. I mentioned it earlier. You know, people that are stuck in living lives of quiet desperation, as Matthew Kelly would call it, you know, stuck in a cubicle, as we alluded to it earlier in this episode. You know, this is the best I'm going to do. This is, this is the ceiling for me. Not seeing the opportunities. So we're going to talk about how to allow yourself to seize those opportunities to break down some of those limiting beliefs some of those interpretations, some of those energy blocks that hold you back and to really seize the day so that you can live the life that you want. So that's episode 44, April 17th, two weeks from tonight, live at 7 p.m. with Karen Richards. Please check out my coaching practice, www.frankchamaderycoaching.com. And please also check out my book. As Nino had said before, she had worked and done some work in Syria. My book, Reflections on the Passion, A Modern Guide to the Stations of the Cross, is available on Amazon. All the proceeds go to helping people that have been persecuted by ISIS in the Middle East, uh, particularly in the Nineveh Plain region of Iraq. So thank you all for staying on late with us, for listening in for allowing Minu to come into your home and into your life and allowing us to provide some advice that hopefully will help you to move beyond the divisions that the world wants to put into place so that you can live truly undivided and with each other in harmony and unity and peace. This has been episode number 43 of Undivided, The Triangle of Divides with Minu Hexpor. For Russ Terry, for Danica Treble, for all my fellow co-hosts here on the Life Coach Radio Network, I want to thank you to the audience and to the listeners for allowing us to be a part of this and part of your life and a part of this discussion this evening. We hope that this inspired you. I want to thank all of you for listening. And until I catch up with you again on April the 17th with Karen Richards, be blessed and be well. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.